to Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a pint. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. And that's Cellar with a C, C-E-L-L-A-R, but I think we say that every night, but just to make sure that you go to the right website, Craft Beer Cellar with a C dot com. Uh, Craft Beer Cellar is a family of retail craft beer stores. Focus on amazing beer, hospitality, education. They've got 23 locations in 11 states around the country. There's one in my neighborhood in Amesbury, Massachusetts. And there's one coming to Brian's neighborhood in Grand Rapids. And Tina is just S-O-L. She's got to get her beer from the grocery <laughs> store. Boo. But, but hey, maybe... We have beer in the grocery store here. That is true. Touche. Touche. Anyway, so yeah, um, visit craftbeerseller.com, find out the locations that are currently existing, the ones that are coming to you, and um, keep listening. We'll tell you how you can win some free beer from them. Excellent. Thank you, Ogan. We're appreciative of Craft Beer Seller, where craft beer education and collaboration reign supreme. Is that their tag? I stole that from their Twitter. I was going to like, what? Brian, <laughs> Brian got all clever. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Now, how can you join us? Well, you can watch live Tuesdays, 9 o'clock Eastern Time at pubtheology.com. You can listen anytime at soundcloud.com slash pubtheologylive. How can you join the conversation? You can follow us on Twitter at pubtheology and use hashtag PTLive, and on Facebook, you can comment at facebook.com slash pubtheology, and you might want to engage because the best comment of the month uh, will have a chance to win $25 uh, from Craft Beer Cellar for your choice of beverages. So tune in uh, and comment, and I think, uh, are we going to include comments that happen as people are listening to the podcast later? Sure. Who's gonna do the work? Who's gonna do the work to curate all those? I vote Tina. I vote Tina. I vote Tina. I vote Tina. (laughs) Give her something to do. So if you're listening live, you can comment, uh, tweet, or comment on Facebook. Or if you're listening to us later on the podcast, uh, we still want to hear your thoughts. I'm far be it for me to tell people how to win. It's a twenty-five dollar gift certificate from Craft Beer Cellar, but um, I, if if I were the winner of that, I would put that into the what do you call it? The Bear of the Month Club. They have a Bear of the Month Club where they send you, if you're in you know, their mail-in range or state, they will send you bears every month. I thought you said you were going to put that toward your 401k. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Bear of the Month Club is my 401k. <laughs> uh, exactly. a beer when he retires. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, tonight we're going to discuss what is pub theology. We'll share some of our own experiences in gathering at pubs over a pint to talk about God and faith. And we'd love to hear from some of you. Do you have a group? Uh, what do you call it? Where do you meet? What do you enjoy about it? What are some of the challenges you've faced? So that's what's on tap for tonight. And welcome back, Tina and Ogan. Woohoo! Wait, where was Tina last week? Weren't you on the show? I was in Oregon. Oh, that's right. I was on a plane to Oregon, I should say. I knew that because I listened after the fact. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hey, I'm just curious. Why are we doing? Why are we waiting until episode nine to actually do what is pub theology? Might might not that have been a better <laughs> episode one? <laughs> we wanted to build an audience first. <laughs> oh, okay, so what it is? What is I'm, this thing? Who knows? But we'll get to it eventually. 
So, uh, where are you guys joining us from? What are you drinking? What's happening? Um, I am actually in Brooklyn, New York. Word, Brooklyn. I'm drinking water because I'm in my aunt's house, and it is a dry house. There is water, and there's apple juice. Those are the only two beverages in the entire house. But in I drank almost an entire bottle of wine myself earlier today uh, at a at a we went. Um, I'm here in Brooklyn because it was a funeral for my aunt, and so we had the funeral service, and then we had you know the burial at the graveside. It was it was very authentic Jewish service, and then we went to um, this like restaurant after, and a few of us shared some glasses of wine. I think I may have drank more than my fair share of those glasses of wine, um, but yeah, that was that was. So I'm I am not drinking now, but drank earlier. Do I get points for that? Do I get credit for that? Sure. All Here kinds of cred, and stick to the water, my friend. <laughs> you almost made me spit the water on the computer. Thanks, man. Tina, what do you got? What do you got on tap tonight, Tina? Um, I have Bonterra, which is made with organic grapes. Um, it's a Merlot, 2013, and it's uh, it's very yummy. Does that make it healthier because they're organic grapes? Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't have sulfites, so yeah, it kind of reduces the hangover headache effect if you drink a whole bottle, Ogan. <laughs> wow, and I've got a, a new Belgium Abbey, uh, Belgian double, so. Ooh. Did you get that at Craft Beer Cellars? Uh, no, because the store in Michigan is not open yet, oh, that's but right. very soon I will get my beer exactly so, from there. So he's, he's drinking a double, and Tina is drinking without sulfite, so she's going to have a hangover. I think well, I think you guys is, are going to need a little help. And This is what my son calls my fishbowl glass. Your fishbowl glass. Nice. Yeah, it's a healthy pour. Oh, that's a good beer. That is a good beer. What's it called again? It's a, a New Belgium uh, Abbey. It's a, the style is a Belgian double. Ah. What's the ABV on that? D-U-B-B-E-L. Uh, 7%. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. 7%. So uh, our little warm-up question tonight is what makes a good sandwich? Bacon. <laughs> Somehow I knew that would be the answer. Next, next question. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I have to agree with Ogan a little bit. I'm, um, I'm a sauce person. So it, for me, it's the sauces. Like, you know, if you throw like a hot sauce and blue cheese on something, and I'm more of a rat person, but um, or you know, just any kind of good sauce. Did you say a rat? A rat person? A wrap. Oh. Like a wrap okay. instead of a sandwich with bread. But. I thought you were like eating some weird meats from the Far East or something. I'm not beyond it. I, you know, I'll try anything once. Oh. Food. Unless it's moving, I do have a problem with that. Okay. Yeah. All right. What about you, Brian? Uh, yeah, I hear you. I like, um, you know, if I'm going to splurge, I, you know, a variety of, of meats, uh, maybe some salami, some turkey breast, uh, some roast beef, and then um, if you're yeah, gonna, maybe, if you're maybe gonna a mild cheese like a, a provolone, uh, but I like the blue cheese. That was that was a good call. When you say you're going to splurge on a sandwich, like, they don't sandwiches don't run that much, dude. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, have a thicker, richer sandwich. Yeah. I got oh, it. Okay. Not, not in terms of cost, but I just mean like go for a 
That's gotcha. Real deal. Um, so maybe, usually when people say, avocado. usually when people say, "If I'm gonna splurge," it's usually followed by lobster or steak, <laughs> not like a sandwich. You're killing me here. <laughs> I'm just. Yeah, Ogan's in rare form. Maybe he should have a drink. Maybe he should. Well, and, then, and then lots of good veggies. So you know, some spinach, some uh, avocado, uh, tomato for sure. Gotta have in. tomato. Um, yes, and then you good, top it off with bacon. Some, some good peppers. Uh, you know, I don't need bacon. Uh, <laughs> hate to. Dude, hate everyone, to everyone needs bacon. Come I don't on. need the bacon. Um, but I did like that hot sauce mention. That was that was a good call. Yep. I'm sorry, you pick hot sauce over bacon? Okay. <laughs> Not everybody in the world is obsessed with bacon. Then they're wrong. Okay, I do have to ask you guys, though, because we're all from different areas, and we've moved around. Is it a hoagie or is it a sub? What? Oh, that's a quick question. I don't know why you look Well, back. I mean, I, I've always called them subs. A hoagie I tend to think of as, as like a baked sub. Really? That's a grinder in the Northeast. <laughs> What's the difference between a hoagie and a grinder? I thought those were Grinders cooked. A grinder's like baked. Then I have no idea. No. What about you, Ogan? Um, sub. I don't know. That's it. Who, call, who calls them hoagies? In the Northeast. Oh, wait, I'm from the Northeast. Is that what we There's call the old them? Lunch? There's the old Adam Sandler lunch lady song, you know. Hoagies and grinders. Hoagies and grinders. <laughs> See? That's, it. That's, all, that's all I know it from. <laughs> all right. I'm done. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, I better get my phone back on with my list of questions here. So, since you two have experience with pub theology, and I really don't, other than this show... We're going to do an interview thing here, and I'm going to ask the questions. Um, so get us started, Brian. What exactly is pub theology? What is pub theology? Well, in its purest form, it's not a simple, or it's not a difficult concept. It is a simple concept. It is uh, open conversation over a beverage about life and faith, or beer conversation and God. Um, so, so basically, then, anyone who's at a bar is kind of unofficially having a pub theology. If at any time the topic of spirituality, religion, or God comes up, exactly, it's 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 happening all the time, no matter what you call it or if you don't call it anything, and aren't even aware it's happening. That's it, very it, meta. That's, that's very meta. Like, that's kind of like that whole thing, like um, for you know, to to be in communion with a church, you don't need a building; you just need two people. So it's kind of yeah, the same thing. right? Yeah, and or like I if a tree falls and no one's wrong to hear it, did it make noise? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but if I if I was to talk a little more in depth about what it is, I might first say what it is not, and what it is not is it's not a slick new evangelism. Program. I think when I started this, a lot of folks uh, that I knew thought, "Well, you're going to get everybody, you're going to get a crowd, and then you're going to preach to them, or you're going to, you know, go over the points of the gospel, and then at the end, they're going to pray the prayer, and you know." So, some people uh, do it that way. Yeah, I think there are groups that do it that way. Oh, yeah. I tend to see it more as um, it's not a lecture, it's not a time for preaching or presentation, it's a time for all of us, whoever's gathered, to 
have a voice and also to listen with the understanding that we're all coming from different places and the goal is not for us all to agree with each other at the end of the night, though that may happen, but the goal is to hear each other and learn where each other stands and, and then grow in our respect for where that person is, or at least our understanding, even if we disagree with it. Now, you two met through Pop Theology, didn't you? Yes, we did. Uh, I was in um, D.C. after I'd shortly moved back to D.C. the second time I was living in the D.C. area, and um, I needed desperately to get out the house one night, but I needed a good enough reason that my wife would let me get out the house that night. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go check out this pub theology thing. You know, it's 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 my two favorite things. There's going to be beer and... Apparently, we're going to be talking about church, and, you know, it might be fun. So, so she let me do How long ago was that, Ogan? How long have you been doing it? Ooh, when was that, Brian? Was that 2012, 13? Um, probably 13. Yeah, I think I think 13, because we moved back it in... It was 2013, yeah. 12, and it took a few months. So, yeah, 20, 2013. How about, how about you, Brian? How long have you been doing it, and how did and you get started? And remind me uh, how you heard about it, Ogan. Oh, you pushing it, man. I don't know. How did I hear it? I really don't remember. Was it social media, maybe? It, it would have had to have been. Because I don't know that we had any friends in common that would have told you about it. No, you weren't putting up flyers anywhere. Um, I honestly... Yeah. Did, you, did, you do me, did you post it on Meetup or anything? I don't think I did Meetup. No. We, did, we did Twitter and Facebook mostly. I honestly don't remember how I heard about it. We had some flyers up at the pub, but not not right. a whole lot extensively, you know, in the neighborhood, or you know, certainly not in wider or metro DC. So, no, but uh, you're, wait. So those first meetings, were you in the? Were we up in the northwest area? Where were you? Oh yes, right. Did you you came when we were up at uh, Angles and Adams Morgan, right? So that might be why, because um, I may have actually seen a flyer because you know my daughter danced at Washington Ballet, so when she was in rehearsals, I would like just go hang out random neighborhoods. So I and might we have did, seen we it that did way. post some flyers yeah. in that neighborhood more than we did later, so that that makes sense. Could have been. Don't really matter though. I found you. Absolutely, by hook or by crook. It was just the smell of hops that lured him in. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> so I first heard about pub theology. Uh, gee, let's see, um, 2008. So eight years ago, um, I read about a group in London uh, that was doing it. A place called Church on the Corner in London, and I just really liked the way they articulated it, that it was, you know, no barriers to entry, anyone is welcome, all views are, you know, able to be on the table, and, uh, you know, we're there to ask questions, to wonder, to discover, and, um, and have a beer while doing it. And I just really liked that framing of it, because to me, and that's really stuck with my uh, sense of what pub theology is throughout is that it really is that uh, both an open space where you can come and listen and not feel preached to or like you're going to have your arm twisted or it's some you know program that you're going to have to sign up for something religious at the end of the night but then also it's that learning space where we want to be in a position where we're learning and where we're engaging in respectful ways with people who think differently than we do and, and open up different perspectives 
Yeah, and, we, and it opens us up to different perspectives. And so I think if, if we come as learners first, it's going to be a success. Uh, I think when you come with a huge agenda to bring everybody you know, to where you are, Sometimes people can sense that, and it doesn't feel like a safe, open place. Whether whether it's your views on religion or on beer. That's <laughs> yeah, because people we, get violent on your your views on beer. We yes, say different beer. different views, different brews, but Bud Light is you know that pushes our tolerance level. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not real beer. So and Brian, by tolerance you... there, I don't mean uh, the ABC. I shouldn't say that in case they might want to sponsor us sometime. I'm sorry, but always. Let's edit that out later. <laughs> we love you, Anheuser Busch. So, Brian, did, did they have a pop theology in the States by that point, or were you the first one to start it here? I was not the first one to start it, uh, probably not by a long shot. I think because I wrote a book with that name, people sometimes think that's what happened, but. There, you know, the Catholic Church has been doing theology on tap for decades, so um, it long preexisted my doing it. But I, be, you know, once I did it, and then began blogging about it, and tweeting about it, and then eventually writing a book about it, I began to hear of a lot more groups, and then other groups have spun off since the book came out, um, and I think awareness of it has just grown, and now there's groups all over the place, which is awesome. And what's involved with getting a group started? Yeah, well, Ogan, why don't you tell us? You, you you know, you started a newer group maybe more recently than I have. Go to one of Brian's groups and then copy him. That's that's how you start a group. <laughs> how do you get the people that way? <laughs> um, so it was it was really just a lot of word of mouth. Um, find find a place that has a nice deep beer selection, I yes. think is is the first step. And um then just tell your friends and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Um, social media helped a lot. My my group in, um, we meet in Newburyport, and we're actually meeting this Friday. Oh, my God, we're meeting this Friday. I forgot. We're meeting this Friday. <laughs> Boom. Uh, this Friday, 7 to 9 p.m., if you are in the uh, greater New England area. There, there we go, Newburyport. Um, we meet every second and fourth Friday, so that's the other thing you got to determine how often you want to have them, um, and try to stick to that schedule. Um, if there's a night I can't make it, I usually find someone to facilitate in my stead, and um, Brian's done that as well. And I think, um, yeah, the hardest, perhaps the I wouldn't say the hardest, but the most challenging part is what are you gonna talk about? So. If you want to be, if you want to be brave and just have an open, spontaneous discussion, you can do that. But I think it's best to go in with a little structure, even if you, you know, digress and go down some other rabbit hole. At least it doesn't put pressure on people to come up with things to talk about. And I'll put in a plug for Brian's website, Pub Theology, where if you go and you sign up and subscribe for a, for a wallet busting fee of what is it Brian like five ten bucks something I don't know it's like ten bucks a month um, yeah you you will get mailed a bunch of questions that you can use um, so which are the same questions we use on this show too which are the same questions we use on this show and it takes all the work out of it for me I don't need to reinvent the wheel are these the questions that we're gonna be talking about this week or were those the questions because I don't know I didn't no, no, we've got we've got different questions that were on the uh, official. Yeah. 
official list this week. We were just uh, trying to, you know. So we're not doing the questions work for the show. this week. There you go. Not this week. Uh, we're no. they did, everyone has the sandwich question, though, so I think we set the bar in our answers. It's all about bacon. So, Ogan, how long has that group been meeting? Um, that's a good question. I started sometime last year. Yeah. You know me. I'm not good about names, dates, faces. <laughs> Important calendar events <laughs> like it's. I, I'm I sorry, I who's talking? <laughs> exactly. Um, so I started the job in January in in Amesbury, um, at Unity on the River. I've got to plug my church. And a few months later, so I would say springtime uh, was when we started uh, meeting. And yeah, took a took a, a couple months break over Christmas, New Year's. Um, we started back in February, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's really hit or miss. Sometimes um, it's just me. Sometimes it's, like, as many as 12 or 15 people, but, you know, we, we work with who shows up. I have to ask you, um, exactly. no, I'm going off the script, Brian. I have to ask both of you, because, Ogan, you mentioned it's, like, 7 to 9. Is yeah. that really a hard stop? Because I can't imagine people, like, being, like, it's 9 o'clock, we're out of here. Um, well, I, I, I think I just set that time parameter so that people know that it's it's. Some people just like the structure of a time parameter. So they, um, they they're comfortable getting up and walking out at nine o'clock if. Uh yeah exactly and plus when we are at uh, the place that we meet, um they they like to have a time parameter, in case you know there's the there's a little uh, separate room that we use. And they just don't like to keep it open-ended. Um, and I think sometimes people are, uh, like, if a conversation is at a place where it's nice and it's going strong, you know, we'll keep talking. There's no nothing that says we have to end the conversation at 9. Mm -hmm. But at the same point in time, if, you know, sometimes we've ended earlier when it's been just a couple of people, two or three of us, and we don't. You know, we may not even stick with the script or the questions. So it's it's really an organic kind of kind of thing. Plus, at 9 p.m., people still feel like you know it's Friday night. They can still go and do stuff. I don't want people feel like they gotta, you know, like it's gonna I, take up their whole night. I, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, when my original group uh, up in northern Michigan in Traverse City, I think we started at 8 or 8:30 on a Thursday night and. We would often have conversations that will go till midnight, and the bar is closing, and they're trying to kick us out, and you know we're still getting into it. Um, but you know, since then, I've I've done more like Ogan, and our, the groups I'm a part of now do a seven to nine o'clock. Um, and if we want to have some spillover time, we can. But it also gives people the freedom uh, when that sort of you know two-hour window hits to say, hey, you know, see you guys next time, or you know. Thanks for thanks for a great night, and that way people don't feel like they're signing up for some four-hour, you know, beer marathon. No, you know that sounds which, good. Which is I'm gonna say not a bad idea actually. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Brian, you've started pub theology in three different places now. Like when you first started, when did you realize you were onto something good? Like when did you realize like you were like, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I think. I mean, I think. Even before our first group, I felt like I was onto something good. Just as I began to share um, share the idea with friends and people at the church I was pastoring, and and just you could see people's eyes light up. Like, 
wait a second, you know, we get to go drink beer as, you know, uh, sort of an activity with our pastor and, and talk about life and faith and theology, like, what's not to love about that? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, once I began to see who was coming, then I also knew we were onto something because people began to show up who wouldn't normally show up to our a Sunday service. And that was exactly what we wanted, was to be a presence in the community, um, sure, to share what we thought and what our beliefs and hopes and dreams were, but also to hear theirs and to give people a place where their voice could be heard and they were welcome wherever they were on their spiritual journey. Whatever questions they had, whatever doubts, great. You know, If you want to say something heretical, uh, great. If you think Jesus was just some nice guy but not the third person of the Trinity, or I should say second, let's get the order right, <laughs> then great, right? You'd be, you'd be welcome. Uh, and if you're a Muslim, you're welcome. If you're Jewish, you're welcome. If you're a Buddhist, if you're an atheist, uh, if you're a humanist, you are welcome. If you're a human being, you're welcome. And wow, Brian, that is what, what every church should it. be doing anyhow. That, I, I'm thinking about David Hayward and our discussion with him about that's like the ideal church right there. The churches should be in bars. We just proved it. There's something about it. Got to get that order right, though. Yeah, I, I almost, I mean, watch out for how, lightning here. How much of that beer have you drank? <laughs> but 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 my thing is if it's if it's the Trinity and basically it's isn't the whole paradox of the Trinity that yes there's three in the Trinity but they're kind of all one of the same then there really is no order is there ah good recovery good, good recovery yeah but you know it's the old Father Son Holy Spirit if you start saying Father Holy Spirit Son people will just like what mind blowing. <laughs> How about you, Ogan? Did you like show up that first time and you were like, this is the coolest thing, I'm definitely coming back? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. No, I, I, had a really good, I had a really good time that, uh, that very first um, group that I, I attended. And I think it was fascinating to me how... Um, really deep theologically, the discussion got among people who weren't like a, you know professional theologians. They weren't clergy. I mean, I think that first night the only clergy were, were Brian and myself, might have been, or maybe That's one right. other person as well. But you know, there's a there's a good handful of us, and these guys were were really getting deep. And I was like, this is this is great because um, I hadn't I hadn't really had that rich conversation. In a uh, theologically since I left seminary and and I missed it so it's a good it's a good um, outlet for that um, for me you know that that brings up a good point is you know we were talking about like you've created this safe place I bet it's a great place for clergy to be able to like talk to each, you know talk freely you know because I, I imagine they have to watch what they say to their congregants yes. but all of I you I think that's right, Tina, and we, we definitely ex have experienced that uh, in groups I've been in where pastors have sought us out, and, and, and in, a, in a way, they kind of liked that it wasn't, quote-unquote, quote their event, so that they could come and they wouldn't assume or expect to see any of their um, congregation or parishioners there, so they felt like, oh, man, I can be honest here. I don't have to be Mr. Professional uh, religious person here. I can just join this honest conversation like all of you and not be the person who has to give the right answer at the end. 
That's awesome. Well, congregants show up to my pub theology <clears throat> group, and they get that from me at the group and at church. Yeah, but you are <laughs> so, who you are. I mean, that's that is that is that is true. When you're full of right answers, you just got to keep giving. <laughs> oh dear Lord, do not feed his ego. Um, so now that we're on the topic, like, tell me a cool story about like some people that have shown up that have like unexpected, unexpected discussions. Like, give me, give me some examples. One one night we were having a gathering, and um, this woman, this very intoxicated woman, literally fell into the room. Okay, you're I, not supposed to tell the story of how we met. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Come on. Well, I wasn't calling you out, but if you <laughs> want to, if you want to rat yourself out, that's totally up to you. Um, this very intoxicated woman literally fell into the room. I think she was trying to find the restroom and missed the hallway or something. But she fell into the room when someone picked her up. She was like, what's going on here? And we explained. And I think she forgot she was on the way to the restroom. And she sat with us for the next 20 minutes. And it was it was hilarity ensued um, for the most part. There were a couple moments where she apparently was really lucid and was on point in the conversation. Other times it was like she just dug her own rabbit hole and went down it all by herself. Um, but uh, but that was that was pretty memorable. I, I love it when you know there've been a few t times where people would show up and you know see the gathering or see the little table sign that I have that says pub theology, and they're like, well, what's what's this all about? Um, and and we'll join for a little bit. So the 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 randomness of it and the spontaneity of people who just jump in on the conversation. Um, that's that's the part I love the most. It doesn't happen all the time, but um, it's still it's still fun when that happens. How about you, Brian? What was the most memorable experience, most interesting people? Yeah, you know, we've had we've had really some interesting uh, stuff. Um, We've had uh, a night where we've had, I think, a, a Wiccan and, and a Buddhist and a humanist and a Jew and then a few Christians at the table. Um, and I just love that because we just, we're not all, we don't all have the same tradition, so we've got different languages of speaking about the same ideas of mystery and spirit and the beyond. And I just love hearing and learning from what other traditions uh, how they've grappled with some of these questions that, you know, for me as a Protestant Christian, I've kind of grown up with a certain narrative and certain answers and certain stories. And to hear from other people just these other ways uh, of, of imagining the divine or imagining the purpose of life, to me, just it opens me up. Uh, and it doesn't mean, oh, now I'm a Buddhist or I'm a Wiccan, but I think there's wisdom, that deep wisdom, that's lasted for centuries in so many traditions, and I just get excited, and I just feel like, man, this is, it feeds me. Like, I go selfishly because I want to learn stuff, and I want to hear from people with these different experiences. And and then to your point about church should be in a bar, which, by the way, a couple of people have quoted you on Twitter tonight, so well done on that one. <laughs> uh, but there was this guy who said he grew, you know, he grew up Lutheran, and um, he said he hadn't been to church in 20 years, and, and he'd been coming for a few weeks in a row. And I kind of said, "Yeah, you know, do you think you'll ever, you'll ever give church another chance?" And he and he looked at me, 
and holds up his beer and says, this is my church, man. I love it. There was, so I, I just remembered one night, Brian, this was shortly after uh, you had moved from D.C. and uh, Jack and I were running the group. There was one guy who showed up one night who thought it, he was at uh, the polyamory meetup group and Ooh. and about uh, ten minutes in, he realized he had the wrong group. Uh, but he stuck around anyways, and he was he was a fun contributor to the conversation. And not to not 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 to imply any any negative feelings around uh, polyamory. Um, hey, he was feeling the love. You know? <laughs> yes, he was, and and he wanted to spread some too as well. But. I'm sure. Exactly. Was that the same night that intoxicated girl was there? No, 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 no. <laughs> As no. soon as you started with that, Ogan, I thought, oh, man. Because I, you know, I think one of the things people worry about is, well, you're just looking for an excuse to drink or to get drunk or what have you. And I try to go out of my way to tell people we're there because of the conversations and the relationships. Yeah. Drinking and, is optional. You know, drink, exactly. If you want to have a Diet Coke or a Sprite or a or coffee water. or water, you know, great. Uh, if you want to have a Bud Light, then please don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> Again, no, I know, we love you, Andrew. Too, too much. We want. No, we want. So, we so want. The point is, the we won't judge you for not drinking alcohol, but we will judge you if you make <laughs> a poor alcohol selection. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. But so the point is, we're not there to, you know, overindulge. We are there to honestly engage, and I think the setting of the bar signals to people that I can, I can relax. It's low-key. I, I don't have to have any of the uptight religious feelings that I might get when I walk into a sanctuary or a conventional religious space. And so I think the very setting uh, gives people a signal that they can be welcome. And, you know, in my years of doing this, it's been uh, seven and a half years, almost eight years of doing this, I, I can think of once where I think there was somebody at our group who had had two... This clearly had too much, and that wasn't good, you know. But it, it's it's generally not an issue. Like people have a drink or two, uh, yep. and they they know their limits. And we, you know, remind everyone to have a driver if they need one, and or to walk or use public transit or whatever. Uh, so it hasn't really been an issue in my experience. Ogan, do you have any anything else to report on that? Well, um, I know that. In my congregation here, for example, so my, my pub theology group is not officially sponsored by or affiliated with my ministry. Yeah. Um, That's a good way and, to do it. And it's, it's intentional because I don't want it to be about, you know, the denomination so that if people are like, well, I don't yes. agree with, with unity, so I'm not showing up to this thing. Um, but I do know there, there are some folks, for example, who are... In uh, who've expressed to me that because they're in recovery, and, and I got this in D.C. as well, because they're in recovery, mm. they don't feel that um, that's where they want to be. So they're like, can you do like a coffee gathering sometime somewhere else or something like that? Um, so I think I think in 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 our in 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 spite of our efforts to create a, a you know a culture of inclusiveness. Um, with the way we create the pub theology, there are still some folks who may feel like, you know, it's not 
you know, because wherever they are in their recovery journey, it's not a safe place for them um, to yes. connect. So and yeah, that, I and I don't I don't I don't have an answer for that. I I just say to them, you know, this is this is uh this is what I do, and it's not it's not a church thing. If this was a church event as a minister. I would of course try to make some accommodations for that. So, that's, and that's, I think that's I saying. think that's a great reminder that this is not the be all end all that everyone's doing. This is not the only place to have these conversations. I have friends who do these things at coffee shops um, or another, you know, in bookstores, and uh, you know. So if you, you know, I always try to communicate if you're uh, in recovery or in a person in a place where this would be, you know, an inappropriate space or a temptation that you wouldn't be in a place to deal with properly, then let's let's find other ways to connect and that's great, you know. Pub theology is one thing, but there's a lot of other things that we could do to connect. And so thanks for that helpful reminder. Yeah, it's one avenue. Um, so what do you think that well I guess you have experience with this. Have you guys had any churches that are grasping this and want to sponsor it? Have you had any negative feedback? Like how do churches feel about what you're doing? Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, it's a great question. You know, when I first started doing it, uh, I got some questions, some questions from fellow pastors in my area, kind of like, uh, is that where you should be hanging out, Brian? And, uh, you know, I try to say, well, you know, do you think Jesus might have been might have been hanging out at the bar with, uh, with some people who were drinking and not showing up to the synagogue? Uh, I think he might have. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and... So I think I think a lot of churches who are open to it uh, are wanting to do it, and I hear from a lot of pastors uh, who have signed up for the weekly pub questions, or who have you know messaged me after reading the book and saying, "Man, I want to start this, and I can't wait because you know I need this avenue to get out into the community and connect with people I don't know." Nice. Well, and to bring up to to mesh those two points, um, you don't have to be sitting in a pub to order the questions. That you can take those questions to the coffee shop, to the park, wherever. So, exactly right. Exactly. You can subscribe to these questions, and you can use them for a group, a small group that meets at your house, uh, or for a coffee shop conversation, for a, a breakfast gathering. And, and I just got, the, I just Memorphous. got the feeling, I just got the feeling that we're like an hour-long infomercial for Brian. <laughs> yeah, really. You have uh, a breakfast, a breakfast mimosa gathering. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Bloody Marys are you know that's, exactly, that's okay. and 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 to something you you alluded to earlier in terms of people and their opposition to this, the idea of um, you know some groups hold on to this idea that drinking is wrong and and not yeah. something that that you know Christians or other uh, you know denominations or movements people should be doing. You know, I always remind people that. Uh, Jesus, Jesus was not a um, he was not an anti-drinking guy, as evidenced by you know his first miracle at the wedding. Exactly. When he got a bunch of people who were probably already tipsy and got him even more drunk because he gave him more wine. So he was, I think, he was a proponent of of the celebratory nature of the gathering. Oh wait a second though, I have heard the argument, and I I have nothing to support this other than I, I heard it from somebody who's arguing this point that when Jesus t turned water into wine the wine back then did not have an alcoholic component to it 
Yeah, that's not true. I don't think that's accurate because uh, there are a number of Hebrew scriptures that talk about do not get drunk with wine and other New Testament um, texts by Paul and others. That, uh, like, didn't Noah get drunk at one point, too? Like and exactly, oh, yeah. Noah got drunk. So wine with alcohol in it's been around a long time. <laughs> first, thing, first thing Noah did after he got off the boat, being stuck with his family for 40 days, he's like, I need a drink. <laughs> Give me all the barrels we have left. Exactly. <laughs> it's go time. So, you know, your point, Ogan, reminds me of, uh, you know, there are some people uh, in certain religious traditions who see drinking as wrong uh, without any exception. And we had a guy who came to our, I don't know if you were there, our pub, pub theology group in D.C. at the Beer Baron. And I remember he sat so quietly the whole night and, you know, uh, I offered him a beer. He said, no thanks. And I said, can I get you a water? And he kind of laughed. But... Um, he didn't really engage the conversation at all, and occasionally he had a look like he was in pain or something. And then at the end of the night, as people were leaving, I kind of said, hey, you know, how's it going? And then he started asking me, how do you feel about gathering to talk about the Lord in a house of sin? How do you sleep at night, Brian? How yes. do you sleep at night? <laughs> he's, like, how, he's like, how can you bring people together to intentionally have them commit sin and yeah, how do you live with yourself, kind of thing. And I, you know, I and I just said some of the things Ogan did. Well, you know, my sense is from reading the scriptures that uh, the fruit of the vine is a gift that God gives us. That when we celebrate it within uh, moderation and responsibly, that that's a part of the enjoyment of life. And you know, there are uh, proverbs to that effect. And as Ogan noted, Jesus' first miracle in the Gospel of John is to keep the party going by. Fixing the fixing the wine good, problem. Good thing. Good thing you didn't take him to the burlesque show upstairs. <laughs> yeah, he probably came through. He probably came through the upstairs. He probably did. I hadn't thought of that. Because they had those at the Beer Baron. That was. Um, oh, before, before we move on, Brian, are we getting any questions from Twitter? Or anything? Anybody? Any comments? Anything that? Yeah, we are getting some things. Um, Mostly it's people just quoting us, uh, churches should be in bars, uh, a Wiccan, a Buddhist, a Christian, a humanist, and a Jew walk into a bar. It's not a joke. <laughs> it's not it's, a joke right there. <laughs> it's a theology. There you go. Nice. That's, that's my friend Jason. He's having fun on, on Twitter. So thanks, like thanks, for, thanks okay, for listening, Jason, Jason and, and Ryan also for listening. Jason, I'm putting that one in for uh, for the monthly. Just, just oh, he's in, he's in the running for the beer. Well done. I like that. Um, okay. Well that's it then? That's all we're that's getting? It. Yep, that's okay. it for now. I just want to make sure we acknowledge the listeners. Um, so you've gotten pushback from, um, you know, basically preaching in a house of sin. Have you gotten pushback from anybody else, either one of you, for, for having this, for doing this? No, most most my experience is people think it's, it's a great idea um, and are, have been very supportive of it. You know, I know couple of folks who, like in my group up here, who I will see almost every Friday night, but I don't see them at church. And, you know, they, they always want to try to apologize for not coming to church, and I remind them it's okay, I'm the minister, I'm, I'm not there every Sunday either. <laughs> and it's really okay. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, some of the pushback I've gotten... Uh, as I noted, was kind of the old, 
Um, should you be doing this? Is this the right place to be? Um, and then, well, if you are there, are you giving gospel presentations every week? Are you preaching at people? Are you telling them the truth? Um, are you bringing them to Jesus? And when I kind of say, well, you know, we're all there to learn and to grow from each other, and sure, I talk about Jesus because I'm a Christian and I love Jesus, but other people talk about um, what they love and what's meaningful to them and, and even how they interpret what it means to follow Jesus, and we want to hear from each other and learn. So I've gotten a little bit of pushback, and then we did have one guy who came, uh, he came with a stack of books and tracts, and he, nice. <laughs> he kind of he laid them on, you know, set this big stack of books and all his tracts on the table, and you could just tell, and he was at the end of the table, he pulls up his chair, and you could just tell he, <laughs> was, there to, <laughs> he was there to give us, you know, the what-what there, and just let us know exactly what it meant to follow his religion and his brand of it. Um, so we've had that, that on occasion, but... How did that turn out, Brian? Often. How did that turn out with him? It's a good question. We actually we had such a big group that night that I think we split up into two or three conversations, and a few people started like drifting from our table to some of the other ones because I think it was just it was difficult. And I, it, you know, I was at his table and I had to really work to, you know, if, if he started going on some kind of rant to just say, hey, you know, thank thank you for, you know, bringing us your view, and let's see what others have to say. And I you think that's have, part of the role of being a leader is to help facilitate, help gently steer when needed. You should have gone the tracks and like theologically dismantled them, you know, in, in, in conversation. Yes, let me read that and then let's let's make that the topic. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. know, some, something I like I like that you said um, a while back, Brian, was that you all sit together in this group, and you know you have all these different religions together, but it sounds to me like in the discussions you get in, at the core of it, you all believe the same thing. You're just using different languages, you're using different symbolism. It, and and that's, that's what I like about hub theology, is you get to understand that other people are just like you. They just say it in a different way. Well, I don't... Not well, everybody, so, Hogan. <laughs> wait, no, I'm saying um, it, it's, it's pretty clear we don't all believe the same thing. You know, yes, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. We're all, we're all, we're all people, and I think ultimately we all have that same desire to have a religious slash spiritual experience and a deeper relationship with God. But um, trust me, we don't all believe the same thing. You know, there, there, there were some nights where where it got pretty heated when we would discuss things like you know atonement, or you know, yes, or, right. or 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 heaven. You know, and it and it got it, you know it got real interesting. I remember one night I knew I knew this was gonna be a fun place when there was a bunch of us gathering, and me and the atheist were the only two people on on a certain side of the discussion, and everybody else was you know was was not. I, I you remember that night, Brian? I uh, do remember that, and you were like, exactly. "What's going on?" Exactly. So I'm like, "This is where the Unity Minister and the atheist are green, and everybody else is kind of like." Brian, Brian you weren't even on his side. <laughs> I know it. I was. I was being, you know, being my religious self. So yeah. So so I think I think, but I I, I love the idea that 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 you know we everyone who comes comes with the understanding that we're not going to agree, but we're going to discuss and and share, and we're not trying to we're not trying to change someone's minds or beliefs or perspectives. You know, we just we just we're just sharing what's out there, um, and I think people 
people uh, respect the process of what pub theology brings and the intention to realize that, you know, in spite of our different uh, beliefs and, and backgrounds, ultimately, um, I think we are on the same page in terms of trying to have a deeper connection with our spiritual selves and, and with God. Okay. I guess, you know, in my in my dream world, I like to think that every religion at the core of it is just love and and wanting to be accepted and understood. But well, in your me, dream world, humanity. in your dream world, everyone would be drinking wine. So you know, I don't know what your dream That's world. That's not true. I'm okay with people drink, drinking things that, as long as I can have my wine, I don't care what you people have. <laughs> I mean, I do hear. I think there is there is a there are strands and some pretty serious strands that overlap and that are commonalities to the great religious traditions of mm -hmm. love, compassion forgiveness, peace, justice. The challenge is how do those things get expressed and who is invited to be recipients of or purveyors of those things. And I think in their best forms, um, faiths open that net as wide as possible to all of humanity. And in their most, you know, um, tribal forms, say, no, only the people who measure up to this ethical or moral standard, or only people who believe the exactly right things about this, that, or the other thing uh, are able to be on the inner circle. And I think, uh, personally, I think God is bigger and wider than that, and uh, the net is, uh, yeah, wide enough for all of us. Uh, but that's just me. Including all of us who who approach those qualities and characteristics outside of religious context, you know, and yeah. to to realize it's it's okay to not believe in God and to live from to live those characteristics uh, as well. Yeah, that's true. Yep, yep. I think I think that's great. I think that's great. Um, okay, so if I wanted to, because I know there are no groups around here. Um, if I wanted to start my own group, I'm not a super social person. Can you? Do you guys have any like quick tips that you can give people who would want to start up a group? What they can do? How can you know? How they can gather people? For you specifically, I'd get to the bar early and have a couple glasses first. So like, if your if your group starts at seven, Tina, you show up at six thirty, have a couple. That that'll loosen you up a little bit. Okay, I want to hear from Brian. Whoa! Are you, wait, 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 hold on. Are you just, saying that I'm not fun when I'm sober? I just got shut down. I just got shut down. Okay, are you saying I'm not fun when I'm sober? We're going to hear from Brian. <laughs> we'll do this after the show, Brian. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, so how do, you, how do you get started? Yes. Well, I think, uh, I think, you know, first off is if you sense there's a need and you look around, you have to find where we're going to do this thing. So you got to find uh, a restaurant, a bar, a brewery, coffee shop, a place that um, has some space so you can gather people, you can have some conversation space, you can get a few seats together, um, and uh, and then you know an owner who's an owner or manager who's willing to say, yeah, you know, if you guys want to do a regular thing here, then great. So, so you got to kind of figure out what's you know how busy is it, what night works. Um, could this place be open to us doing this as a regular thing? 
and uh, and if they're on board with that, great. Um, sometimes you ask permission. Sometimes you just start meeting, and they get to know you, and um, and it kind of works out. Um, and you're bringing you're bringing them business, honestly. Yeah. So you're so bringing you gotta, them business. You got to work that angle. Exactly. I'm bringing people in, and I think if you really stress that it's open conversation, uh, that helps. Yeah. Um, and then you know if they really like you, they'll they'll retweet you on Twitter, or they'll post share your Facebook post, or you know they'll help you get the word out, or put it on their little chalkboard on the sidewalk. Um, so if you can get the place itself to help you get the word out, then then you know you're in a good spot. Um, so find a spot, um, and then get the word out. You know, put up a few flyers at the venue, at some neighborhood coffee shops, on some neighborhood you know cork boards, whatever. Um, Use social media, tell some friends, and then, yeah, bring a few things to you talk about. You mentioned earlier um, meetup groups. Have, have either of you actually used meetup groups to, to open a pub theology or, or start one? Um, we're about to, a um, friend, uh, friend of mine who actually facilitated the group for me like two weeks ago when I was traveling, um, she's... She said, "Like, what are you doing to promote this?" And I was like, um, "Obviously, not enough." Um, you know, I got my Facebook group and word of mouth. She says, "All right, I'll help you out. We'll start some meetup. We'll put it on meetup. We'll do some different things." Um, you know, I am because this is this is for me. I don't. It, it, it's almost like a side gig in a way. I, I do this for, in many ways, selfishly my own. Um, edification and social connections. So I we wouldn't I don't... expect anything else from you, Ogan. <laughs> All right, touche. Um, uh, so so I haven't put a lot of effort into like building it as a like with a business or 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 you know letting people know about my own church ministry. So so and and the comment I made to you earlier about the get there early uh, for you is that um, I know for many people who are or tend to be more introverted, the idea of going to start a group where a bunch of strangers show up might feel a little bit intimidating. Um, but but interestingly enough, it's, you know, all kinds show up, extroverts, introverts, everyone in, be, in between. So, so in a ways, it was, you know, I was, I was poking fun at you, but I don't think anyone should hesitate because they don't consider themselves naturally social animals to not start a group, it's it's a discussion group. You're not you know you're not trying to start a, a party bus. It's it's a discussion group, mm -hmm. um, and and discussion I think tends to you know be a safe place for people whether they're introverted or extroverted. Yeah. Okay. On that note, is there anything that's taboo to talk about in puppyology? Have you guys had anybody that got really upset about anything, or that you just don't bring up because you know it's not a good idea? Well, uh, at this time of year, politics is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Whoa. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's a it's a good question. Uh, you know, I think as as I initially heard about it from uh, the group in London, you know, no no topic is off limits, and so we've talked about the gamut. I think, and I think as long as people know that going in and know that we're not all going to agree with each other, and that's okay. Yeah, especially yeah. when someone tries to tell you that you know a certain a certain politician, if he becomes our next leader, is definitely a sign of the end times, and you know there's some revelation support. You got to talk that person down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, you know, I, there was one time in uh, my first group where I don't remember what the argument was, but there were guys at two different ends of the table, and I think a person seated on the across the table from me and a little bit to my left was kind of talking quietly and had a view, and this guy all of a sudden on the end, I think he maybe had one too many, he like stood up and he was like, got loud at this guy, and we all had to like talk him down and say, whoa, you know, like, hey, you know, it's okay that we don't agree here, let's just, you know, maybe get some fresh air and... Brian, do you do, do you do do you do that for people? Because I know, like, I can sit and have a discussion with you guys. I can have a discussion with people. But if somebody gets like confrontational like that, I will totally shut down. So is like, does the rest of the group kind of chip in and get the vibe back at that point? Yeah, I, I mean, it's been so rare that that's happened. And in that instance, like everybody since that guy crossed the line, and that was not an appropriate reaction. Even if you disagree with this guy vehemently, like you just totally think the opposite or what he said offended you. You got to find a way to, to, you know, to to channel it. And this is a civil conversation, and we want to model that. And you need to, you know, okay. And if you disagree, if you disagree, tell us articulately why you disagree, and maybe you'll convince us or that person. And that's part of the job of of facilitator. If you're facilitator, it's only water. It's <laughs> the guy with water. <laughs> if you're gonna facilitate a discussion group like this. You know, you've got to realize that that you're in charge. Yeah, people are talking and the conversation's going, but you've got to manage the conversation. You know, and if it starts to drag, pick it up. If if people are, you know, there's a lot of cross stuff going on. You know, bring everyone's attention back. If there's somebody who is getting a little rowdy, to you know, help help redirect them. And I think you know, one of the important ways you do that is from the beginning. Like we always do we establish kind of like the unofficial ground rules which is like we're here to share our, our views we're here to share beliefs we're not here to try and change anyone's views or beliefs and we, we operate under the premise that whether we agree or disagree every view is acceptable at the table um, is, is that something you do in the beginning of the meeting do you set like the ground rules for people so oh, yeah a reminder? absolutely but that's as much as the ground rule that I set you know where you know we're we're here to talk, and and we're we're not going to agree on everything everybody says, but we're not we're not here to change minds. We're just here to we're just here to connect. How about yeah. you, Brian? You I typically have not uh, laid out ground rules, but I do have a little card with four ground rules that I have with me in case I need them. And you can find these in my little ebook, Pub Theology One Hundred and One. By the way, um, nice plug. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so you look like you're like a you're like a you're like a football referee, sorry, or soccer referee. You know, somebody, <laughs> somebody comes to pen. You pull out the yellow card. I pull out the yellow card, and the four things, the four ground rules on the yellow card are: number one, listen first; number two, respect each person; number three, everyone is entitled to his or her opinion; and number four, and this is key, pub theology does not support or espouse any one single perspective. I like that. Yeah. The yellow card, pub theology yellow. You really, you know, you should, you should put them on the yellow cards. And you know, when someone kind of like steps out of bounds of those rules, you give them the yellow card. I love it. And if they yeah, really you have to get, flag somebody, you have a red card. They get tossed I was gonna say, out. If they really get belligerent, you hand them a red card and say, "That's all for you tonight." Boom. <laughs> You're, You're done. Out. Out. 
You can listen. You cannot speak any longer. <laughs> there you go. All right. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, anything else? Uh, what do you think? We're, we've hit our hour. Any last wisdom for our budding and listening pub theologians? Um, I would highly encourage people, you know, like Tina, for example, if there's not one in your neck of the woods, go out and just start one. Uh, I mean, it's as simple as finding a place and a time. And, and that's kind of really it. <clears throat> you know, Brian's done all the work for you in terms of the questions, so you really don't have to, uh, you know, come up or, or think, oh, what what can I come up to talk about? So it's it, it couldn't be any simpler. There are no dues. We should start charging dues, man. There's no dues for having a pub theology group. You know, there's no affiliation with anything. You simply say, at this time, on this day... We're we're gonna meet and go yeah, for it. Point. I might actually start that. I might do it. I think I, I think you should. I think you should. You should. You should. Well, thanks for thanks for tuning in, friends. Uh, one last uh, word of advice that we'll give uh, for anyone who's thinking about starting a pub theology group: as you gather, don't just dive into the rich topics that are there. Take the time to get to know who it is that's sitting across the table from you. My hunch is that our world would be a better place if more people with differences came together to learn from each other rather than allowing unwarranted assumptions to grow into ignorance, hatred, and division. Around the table at Pub Theology, instead of building walls, we tear them down. Instead of assuming, we ask and say, teach me. Instead of attacking each other, we buy another round. And instead of moving on to the next target for evangelism, we become friends. I like that. That's and a that's lot. Your, to, that's a lot to put on that yellow card, though. That's a lot to put on the card. That's just a little <laughs> wisdom to take from our conversation tonight. But thanks, Ogan, and thanks, Tina, for giving us uh, your wisdom, insights, and experiences. And thank you all for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. We'd love it if you could connect and help spread the word on social media. You can listen anytime at SoundCloud.com/PubTheologyLive or watch us Tuesdays nine o'clock Eastern at pubtheology.com, and you can also find a group in your town at pubtheology.com, and if there's not, you'll find some resources to help you do that. Thanks again to our sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you, and keep listening and giving us your witty responses to our conversation to be in the running for a gift certificate to Craft Beer Cellar. I think we have to mention one last comment that might be in the running, and that was uh, what makes a good sandwich? And the answer was a taco. I love it. I love it. So we I'm still are, voting for the first one. We are and, out. And you can put bacon on that taco. We're out. Later, guys. All about the bacon. <laughs>